Christmas and New Year's, and now we're back into normal, whatever that is. And I guess the cold weather is coming. <clears throat> I, we're going to be doing a mini-series, and um, the reason is, is because a few months ago, the Supreme Court decided to go against what God says in His Word and redefine marriage. Now, because they've redefined marriage as something other than what God's Word says between a man and a woman in covenant together, uh, that affects churches. And since then, we've been uh, putting together some thoughts, and, I, and it's going to be a cumulative uh, thing. We're going to be... Uh, be um, looking at some different angles, not angles, just different uh, thoughts from the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking at membership. And the reason is, is because in the next uh, three weeks from today, which is the 31st, well, maybe that's four weeks, four weeks from today, I guess the thing's not there, but, um, well, let me give you the whole month. I'll do it that way. Today we're going to be looking at membership. Because again, uh, those who need to decide about the whole thing on marriage, and how this church stands, they're going to be the members. They're not going to be the non-members, they're going to be the members. So I want to do one message on membership, which also gives you the opportunity. If you're not a member, you can go through the process, and by the time we have our, our meeting to decide this, you could be a member. Okay. So we're going to do a member today. Next week we're going to be looking at what does God say about marriage. So next week is on marriage. And then two weeks, uh, the week of the 24th and the 31st, we're going to be looking at the whole subject, the biblical view of homosexuality. The biblical view of homosexuality. And then after that, the members are going to meet afterwards to discuss a number of statements that we have prepared as leaders. It's called the Statement of Faith. Now, this is not the Constitution. This, is, this will be an addendum, I trust, that will be added to our Constitution saying this is what we believe the Word of God says according to these issues, Okay. And the primary one is, is um, on homosexuality and how does this church stand. Because one of the ways uh, that um, not only the culture, but just, I guess, the enemies of Christ, I'll say it that way, will want to destroy churches. And a lot, of, a lot of institutions and churches have already capitulated. So again, this is big stuff, right? This is not fearful stuff. This is big stuff, because to define what, you know, this is what God says is very, very important. Then on the 7th of, of uh, February, we have the Cedarville Women's Choir. Uh, nothing is necessarily going on with this whole subject matter, other than maybe I'll give a devotional. But then on the 14th of February, is there anything else happening on the 14th of February? Um, <laughs> We will bring uh, the new members into the body during that morning service if there's anyone that says, yes, I would like to become a member of the Alfred Allen Bible Church. And then following the morning service, we will hold a membership meeting to, to vote on and, I trust, accept the statements that we had presented two weeks earlier. So two weeks earlier, you'll get, you'll get this next week, the document. You have a couple weeks to look it over. Then at the meeting, you can discuss it. Then two weeks later after that, on the 14th of February, we'll vote on it. And so that's why we're going to be looking at membership today. Uh, we've noticed that a number of individuals, a number of families, you know, you've come, I, I trust you're enjoying um, and growing at Alfred Allman Bible Church. 
uh, but again, you haven't formally become a member. And we're going to give you that opportunity in the next few weeks to do that. So hopefully that, I mean, Lord willing, that's the plan. So next week, uh, marriage, two weeks or two weeks after that, uh, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? The uh, message today is, uh, the title is Stop Dating the Church. Stop Dating the Church. Um, again, a lot of people like to date the church. But it's kind of like our pastor said of many, many years ago, if you love the woman, marry her. And, you know, again, I'll probably repeat that at the very end. It, it, it's about making a commitment to a local body of believers. Now, again, what is a church? Well, the, the word ecclesia just means called out assembly. There's a group and a group that's called out. And again, as a church, and, and again, I'm just going to throw out a few pieces very quickly and we'll move on. Um, but again, I believe, we, we believe here at the church, and I say that because I met a pastor recently that said, well, I don't believe that. Uh, but I believe that when it comes to the word church, you can have both the universal church, in other words, all believers who have ever lived and will live and then die are all part of the universal church, and, and those who have died are now in heaven worshiping God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, so you have the universal church, the invisible church, and then you have the local church. Everybody in the universal church is saved. Not everybody that attends a local church is saved. The local church are local body of believers. They're not invisible. I see you, right? You see me. We're physical. On the earth, local churches. By the way, when the word ecclesia is used like 113 times or 117 times, 12 or 13 times it refers to the invisible church. Over, I think it's either 90 or over 90 times it's referring to local churches. By far the vast amount of time that the word church is used, it's referring to a local church. A local group of, of believers. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. When I talk about membership in the church, <clears throat> I'm talking about the local church. If I was telling you about membership in the universal church, what I'm asking you to do is get saved. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God baptizes us into the body, and that is into the invisible universal church, right? But today's subject matter is not talking about the universal, invisible church. It's about the physical, literal, uh, local church. And we're going to be talking about membership, joining this church. Or if you say, you know what, I don't want to join this church. You know what I tell you? Go join another biblical church. You know, Not any church, because there's a lot of churches I would tell you don't join. But find a church that is biblical, that you can grow in, that they will protect you spiritually like Hebrews 13 says, that has biblical form of leadership, and join with them, connect with them. And I, let me say this off right after the. You might say, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be here very long. Well, how long do you want to be protected? You know, I mean, do you want to, I might only be here for thir, uh, four, four months. Well, I'll, we'll protect you for four months, and then we'll pass you on to someone else so that they can protect you, right? Membership is about protection. That's one of the main things. Membership is, is about purity. You know, I, I became a member, not just because I'm a pastor here, but because, you know what, if I fall into sin, I want you to come and you better, Lee Ryan and Donna Ryan better be on my doorstep saying, John, I got to talk to you, right? And I know they would, by the way. Donna would be asking questions. 
<laughs> okay, membership. <laughs> now, I want to say this right from the start. Membership is not used anywhere in the Bible. It felt like I just shot myself in the foot. I got to make that understanding clear. It's not anywhere in the Bible where you're going to literally see uh, you need to be a member of this church. Okay? And, and I, I, I'm going to throw that right out at the first, as red meat, because many times people do not become members because they say, well, I can't see it in the Bible. No matter how hard you look, you will never find a verse or a passage in the New Testament that directly commands believers to maintain membership roles or establish membership procedures. Such direct commands are simply never given. And there are no clear examples in the New Testament of written membership lists being kept. In fact, my wife, my dear, lovely Sola, asked me that a while back. You know, really, do you see membership in the Bible? So, is membership in addition to Scripture? Is it some legalistic tradition that has been added to, quote, the simplicity of the Christian life, end quote? Again, many think that this is the way it is. That's why they don't join. Now, you add to that the fact that you don't see it directly explicit. I'm going to use the word explicit because in a minute I'm going to use the word implicit. Because you don't see it explicitly laid out, people say, well, you know, it's not that important. Because for sure, God would explicitly laid it out if it was that important. Well, I could just say this. I mean, is the Trinity important? Well, find it for me. Explicit, where it says Trinity in the Word. And, well, obviously you see it, but... No, no, this is very important. I, I say Trinity because we'd all die on that hill if you're an evangelical Christian. Well, let's, let's get back to this idea. Is membership important? Now, again, we live in a very individualistic society, right? I mean, it's all about the, uh, the self-made woman or the self-made man. Individualism. Our culture is a culture of self-reliance, self-worth, self-esteem, self-fulfillment. So when membership comes along in a local church and we talk about mutual submission and accountability and interdependence as a way of life, as a Christian way of life, it seems foreign and counterproductive. Why? Because our culture says individualism, self. And yet the, the membership, no, no, it says community, interdependence. God has not made you an island God has made you a community. So though membership is not explicit in verses, I'm going, to, I'm going to make this statement. It is implicit, it is implied, it is understood. By the way, when I say implied or implicit, it's implied though not clearly expressed. It's, it's not, it's not clearly expressed where you can go to that passage, that verse, that little and say, there it is. But now, if you, if you put together the whole, it's there. It just bleeds all over the place. That we are, and this is the point, that we are to be formally committed, covenant, covenanted, and in community with one another. All right? It's just all over the place. Well, let me give you some things. Where is membership in the Bible? Since I just told you that it wasn't explicit, let's, let's now, from this point on, see, I, I didn't shoot myself in the foot. I just, all I tried to do is just lay it out to you. You know what? If, if that's going to be your argument, it's just a very weak argument because let me now show you 
where it has to be in the Bible for other things to happen, okay? So let's turn the page and say, no, God would want this for us. As one man said, every Christian should join a church because Scripture requires it. This is uh, Mark Deaver out of Nine Marks. Granted, there is no direct command in Scripture that says every Christian must join a local church, but again, if you add all the information together, you're going to come to that conclusion. That there is a formal church membership. A formal church membership. Now again, not just membership, but formal. A formal is, yes, I am committing myself to this local body. I go back to the dating thing. If a man just hangs with a woman, yeah, she's my woman. Five years later, they're just hanging together. Yeah, she's my woman. Well, have you ever married her? No, but I really love her. Hmm, wait a second. Are you committed to her? Well, yeah. Well, have you ever married her? Well, let's, let's take it this way. After 10 years, that woman better start thinking something different, right? You would expect if a man loves the woman, he's going to marry her, right? Wouldn't that be true? I mean, I'm sure many of you in that dating scene, you probably drew the line, listen, either marriage or I'm moving on. <laughs> I could tell you some dating stories, but we won't go there. Um, well, let me give you some from the Word of God on membership. First of all, the flow of the Old Testament history demonstrates it. The Old Testament biblical history demonstrates it. De- demonstrates it. God made a clear distinction between His people and the people of the world. And I'll just give you one example. Like Leviticus 13, it says, He shall dwell alone. Talking about the person that is sinning. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Why? The point is this. There was some that were outside the camp, but God's people were inside the camp. The out and the in. Okay? And again, I don't, I'm not even going to develop that because some would say, well, that's Old Testament. That doesn't really apply. But you see that over and over again. Inside the camp, outside the camp. These are my people. If you're not here, then you're not in my will. You're out. Because again, people would say, well, church membership is a New Testament issue. So let's get immediately to the New Testament. Number two, Jesus taught it. So not only did the Old, Bible, uh, Old Testament biblical history demonstrate it, but Jesus taught it. Jesus taught it. You go to Matthew 16. And again, you can listen or you can turn or write it down. And I don't think I wrote it in your notes. Maybe I did. I I forget what I left in your notes. But Matthew uh, 16, verse 16. This is actually the first mention of the church. But he says... Uh, look at verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the son of the, uh, are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because he had asked the question, well, who, do say, who do men say that I am? And uh, he's answering. He said, I'll, I'll tell you, you are, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Bar- for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father was in heaven. Now, this is where it appears, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. First time it's mentioned. I will build my assembly. I will build my ecclesia. Christ is the head of the church. We see that in other passages. I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. 
I'm going to build my church. Now, again, he's referring to the universal. But he's, he's first of all, saying, I'm going to have my group. I'm going to build my church. So he first mentions it there. And by the way, when he, when he, remember when he's talking in Luke 15 about the, the 100 sheep and 99 of them are here. And what does he say? I'm going to leave these. I mean, what does a good shepherd do? Uh, you leave the 99 to do what? You go in search of the one that's lost. Well, he's just making a distinction. There's the group. By the way, as it comes to the church, that's very important because that's how the church is. These are your 99 or these are your 100. These are the 100 that are, are, are in connection with one another. And if one's missing, you go and, you know, as a shepherd, I'm not, I love the people of Hillside Baptist Church, but I'm, I'm not putting any energy into them, Right? I put energy into Alfred Allman. This is very important. By the way, this message is hugely important to the leadership of our church. I mean, if you're not a leader, then you're like, well, I don't, you know. But think of, a, think of an elder. Think of a pastor. Think of a shepherd. And they're trying to figure out, is this person connected with our church or not? Because without formal membership, we don't know. Over the years, we've had a number of people that will come for six, eight, maybe a year, six, eight months, a year, and then all of a sudden, they're gone. Well, they never formally said they were part of us. So when they leave, they're not like leaving something that they have formally committed to. I go back to the dating thing. The guy living with the girlfriend, and then he's up and gone one day. Well, what do you do? Well, he's gone, right? And I hate to put in those terms, because by the way, if you're here as a non-member, I want you to know this. We love you. We care about you. We really care about you. And, and we put energy into you. But, but we always have this question as elders. Like, are they connecting or are they just enjoying you know, our time together? And, and again, we want to move you along so that we are a, a, a tighter bond. And by the way, as the culture gets more and more wicked, this becomes more and more important. Because who, who, you know, who, who are us? We've we got to know. Who could we depend on? Right? So Jesus brings it up there. Over in Matthew 18, if you're Matthew 16, just turn a few verses over. He brings up the church again. This is in a church rescuing operation. Now, some people call this church discipline. This is church rescuing. Look at verse 15, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Why? Because that brother is sinning out of fellowship with that other believer. If you go, confront, he repents, you gained your brother. This is a rescue operation. Now, what happens if he doesn't hear? Verse 16, take one or two more. Why? Establishing guilt. You're establishing the witness. You're saying, listen, you're in sin. Repent, change, turn. Walk with Jesus. Walk with me. Look at verse 17. And if he refuses to hear them, you know, now we've had one, two, three, four other people going to this brother who's sinning. Tell it to the, what does it say next word? Church. Ecclesia. That's the second time Jesus used. Jesus is saying, wait, tell it, wait, tell it to the church? Wait, wait, wait. wait I, John, you said there was a universal church and there's a local church. How do I tell it to the people that are up in heaven? 
You don't, right? He's, he's got to be talking about the local church, right? Tell it to the church. There's this formal organized membership. Tell it to that local body. Can't tell it to the people in heaven. <laughs> tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, I mean, and what, then, then what do you do? And then you treat them like a, a, a heathen and a tax gatherer. So, I mean, here's twice the word church is used. You tell it to the local body. And if he refuses to hear even the local body of believers, now you're, I mean, let's say someone's sinning and, and I bring it up, and so, usually we bring it up at communion, and I say, so and so is sinning, so and so reached out, and then two or three, and I may not name everybody, but you know, the elders have reached out to this person, and they are just bent on doing their own thing. Now we ask you as a church to reach out to them, not to comfort them in their sin, but to help, see, help them see the error of their way. Why? Restoration, right? We want to rescue them. Rescue them. So that's what Jesus is laying out in Matthew 18. So Jesus taught it. Jesus taught the local church. And when he says, tell it to the church, it had to have been, I mean, was he just saying anybody that happened to show up? No, no, he's saying, tell it to the people who are connected with you. By the way, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, remember we saw the seven churches of the Revelation. Those are all local churches. Church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. No, Jesus actually in Revelation spoke to local churches to encourage them, to reprimand them, to give counsel to them, to give a final, uh, you know, if you're an overcomer. Because he knew this. I mean, obviously the Lord of glory knows this, that there is going to be many in the church that are tares. They're not true believers. That's why, he, that's why at the end of every one of those seven letters, he said, he who overcomes. That's the sign of a true believer. A true believer will continue to overcome. There's going to be a lot of people that are flash in the pan. Oh, they, they walked the aisle, they signed the card, they raised their hand, they told you, yes, I am, oh, I, want to, I love Jesus. I want to repent. And then what happened? Where are they six months later? Six years later? Not, not walking with Jesus. In fact, they've rejected Christ. You know, or whatever else, you know. Overcoming is the, is, the, is the fruit of a true believer. You know. So Jesus taught it. Number three, the New Testament models it. It was in the first church of Jerusalem in Acts 1. It says Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. And it says, it actually names that there was 120 of them. Now, why is that important? Because in the book of Acts, you see a lot of numbers. People were actually being identified. Oh, these are the 120 disciples. And chapter 2 is talking about the day of Pentecost. See, it's very significant that he just didn't say a bunch of disciples. <laughs> a general number of disciples. 120. Acts 2, verse 41. It says, They received his word and were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added. Question. Added to what? Added to the local church in Jerusalem. Okay? What do you mean they're added? And when they got saved, by the way, this is times of persecution. Uh, it's only in times of ease that a person would consider, well, do I want to join or not? If we were persecuted, quite honestly, if we were in, under persecution like in Russia, you know, Soviet Union, 
30 years ago. It wouldn't be that you just walk in. For you to be in, you would be invited in. Like we're meeting in the woods and we're risking our life. You're not going to just tromps in there. You'd have to get connection. You'd have to make sure your, your, your testimony was proper. Oh, you want to be part of us? See, oh yeah, they may not have gone through a formal written, but for you to even make it to us, there was some, you had to jump over some hoops, as it were, right? Hey, I'm trying to protect my family. They're worshiping the woods. I'm not going to let just anybody else tromps in. You know, uh, the secret words, the secret passwords. I mean, I'm just talking just to be able to get to that point. You, you kind of get the understanding. Um, so here's persecution. But it says 3,000 souls were added. The word added is very specific compound meaning placed into. And he's not talking universal. He's talking uh, local. They're at uh, Jerusalem. 3,000 souls were added. This was a deliberate, calculated act of adding a select number to a greater, an existing body. So these 3,000 were added to the existing. One guy said the church was keeping a careful count of those who were being added as new members to the body. Well, they needed to take care of them. And then a few verses later, Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Again, verse, chapter 4, verse 4, the number of men came to be about 5,000. There, it's, he's just referring to the men, not including the women, but it's again, specific, 5,000. No willy-nilly, informal, superficial affiliation. They, they knew who belonged. They knew who were part of them. So that's important. And in Acts 5.13, after Ananias and Sapphira took their last breath, this is what it says, yet none of the rest dared join them. (laughs) Gone. Gone. So now two people are dead. Well, one was taken out and the other one... And everyone else was looking around and said they didn't dare join. We mean joined them because that was formal. See, they were looking, they were, they were watching, but, oh, you mean, you, mean if you, you mean if you follow that group, get connected with that group, I could even lose my life? So the word joined. The word joined uh, in that verse in Acts 5.13 means to be glued together fastened together, united with. I mean, it's a very, very uh, strong term. It's, it's actually used in 1 Corinthians 6.16 of a man joining himself to a harlot. That's, that's intimate, isn't it? I mean, that's an intimate illustration. A man joining himself with a whore. The same word is used how they were joined. They, they did not dare to join themselves with the church. Why? Because that was... A close, it was a gluing effect. Acts 5.14, believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Added, there again. So you have these uh, calculation numbers, these arithmetic numbers. <laughs> added, joined, part of, you know, however you want to say it. So, the church models it. It's definitely in the first church of Jerusalem. Not only that, but according to the Apostle Paul. Now, remember 1 Corinthians 5. You had this man who was committing sexual immorality with his, I believe, his stepmother. And it says, Paul says this, that this sexual, sexual immorality in verse 1 is among you. Now, how do you, 
if it's among you, it means it's in the local church. And it means that the local church is somehow formally organized. I mean, if it's just a loose group of believers, if it's like all these, you know, we used to go to Super Bowls, still do periodically at Word of Life. You know, and the, and the Super Bowl was ha- happened at what, Rochester was it? I forget. Thing is, those Super Bowls lasted all night. I had to drive home after, I can't even, they're like a blur. <laughs> the whole thing is a blur. But the point is, is this, just because a bunch of Christians get together at a Super Bowl, to listen to, uh, I mean, to watch the game and then to have a great message and then, you know, eat pizza and all this other stuff. That doesn't mean that it's among them. That's just, that's just a bunch of Christians getting together. Here in Corinthians, this is a local church among them. A formalized group. Now remember what he says though. He wanted them to take this man and put him outside of the organized group to exclude him. Don't include him. In fact, since I'm saying, just go to 1 Corinthians 6. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians 5. Maybe you can... But again, he, he talks in these terms. I'll just pull out a couple things because for time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5. Let's go to verse 11. Because you see it clear. Uh, verse 1 is, this immorality is there. And you're puffed up, verse 2. It's not good, verse 6, you're glorying. In fact, he says he's going to deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, verse 5. But now go down to verse, uh, I think it's 11. And now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater. I mean, you know, he's looking at them not to keep company. Uh, Put him away. You know, the inside and the outsiders. Okay, I mean, there's the, in, the outsiders are the unbelievers. The insiders are the ones that are walking with Jesus that are part of the formal body. Um, again, I could, we could, but again, time. But if you're going to have discipline, how do you expel someone? How do you take them out? How do you no longer them have part of you if you're not uh, a formal group? And that's what he's getting at in the first uh, six or eight verses there. You've got to take them out taken away, uh, let's see, uh, that he has done this deed might be taken away from among you, verse 2. You've got to take him out, take him away from you. So again, I think uh, Apostle Paul, there's, there's not a casual association, this is a close association. Uh, the other thing, you could go to 1 Timothy 5, not, we don't have time, but talking about the widow's list, those widows who have earned the right for the church to take care of them actually were put on a list. But again, you'd have to identify who are the ladies of this formal group who have been faithful that could be put on the list. Otherwise, in Jerusalem, you might have all these women who have never attended the church, just kind of a loose association, and somehow now, when they turn to be 60, I want you to take care of me. No, he says, wait a second. If they've been part of your fellowship, if they've been part of your group, if they've been faithful in their life, now you be faithful to them to take care of them in their latter years. So again, that, that would demand formal church membership. How about number four? Church leadership requires it. Church leadership, I believe, requires church membership. And, and again, who are the elders of our church at the moment? Uh, myself, Bill Baker, Andy Norris, Steve Reck, uh, Mike Stewart. Did I get everyone? Help me out here. I'll give you one thing about us. 
we are not omniscient. Now, I know that probably really, uh, you're like, wow, really? Yeah, we don't know all. If we were omniscient, you wouldn't need formal church leadership, in one sense. Because I could know, okay, I got you. Now, you look good, but you're not even saved. I got you, because I know how to treat you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't look too good, but I can see your heart is really struggling, and you really do want to walk with Jesus. Okay, now I know how to deal with you. But because we're not omniscient, it is so difficult. Because sometimes, again, we're even trying to decide, are they even committing themselves to this local body? Just the first question. So I think church leadership requires it. Because we're not omniscient men as leaders. Now again, when, when uh, in Luke 15, the hundred were there, and there was 99 that were there, but there was one lost sheep. That shepherd knew he had a hundred sheep and one of them was gone. Do you, right? you get the picture? He knew there was a hundred sheep that he was supposed to be taking care of and one was gone. And what did he do? That's my responsibility. I need to go after that one sheep. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Well, that's, play that out again. That's how, it sh- that's how we want to do it. Um, I tell you, we have wonderful elders. We really do. And when I say elders, I also want to throw Ken in. <laughs> not throw Ken out, throw Ken in. Because he's part of the team, okay? He's not yet an elder. He's going to be getting ordained, uh, Lord willing, in August and probably will be brought on sometime after that. But the, the, the point is this. Do you realize that the elders of our church, and again, you might say, well, yeah, you're an elder, but you get paid. Uh, but I won't even say it. Um, it's <clears throat> in other words, you might say it this way. Well, you know, you do it for pay. Well, I don't. But the point is, is these are men who don't get paid. These are men that give up two nights out of the, a month and are here from 6.30 to between 9 and 9.30, 10 o'clock. I mean, we've had meetings go as late as 11 o'clock. As 11, so they're here between two and a half and four and a half hours. Twice a month. Not because they want to make decisions, because they want to minister to you. One of the main things in both of those meetings is, okay, who do we need to minister to? Who do we need to reach out to? How can we help? I mean, it's all shepherding. I mean, I want you to know, this, the leadership of this church have a shepherding heart. And so I look at that and I think, man, they're giving up between five and nine hours a, week, a month, just, just in that area. Now, on top of that, they do shepherd. You know, On top of that, they do teach. On top of that, they have the, the concern for the church, as Paul says, you know. And, and so what are we asking you to do? We're asking you to make a commitment so that it makes their job easier. That's really what we're saying right here, right? Part of this whole thing. You're making the commitment saying, yes, I'm one, of, I'm the, I'm one that wants to be shepherded. I'm not going to be the lost sheep over here. I'm not going to be trying to hide from you. Oh, on top of that, um, at the uh, first Monday meeting, they each hand in a sheet that says, okay, these are the people I was able to reach out to. In, in the shepherd, you know that you're all part of a shepherd. Each one of you, if you've been coming regularly, has a shepherd. So they hopefully have a pulse on your spiritual life, physical life. And then one of the commitments we have is that we're praying for you. Do you see all the energy that, that the elders are putting into you? That's why when I even preach a message on membership, I, I like to try to say that so that you know there is so much energy going in your direction. Um, actually, I think for you to just put your hand to the plow and say, yes, this is the, 
you know, formal church membership is, 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 is the, the least that you can do. Uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to say that to make you feel guilty. I really am not. Uh, 1 Peter 5, I'm just saying this is reality. 1 Peter 5, 1, it says, Peter, who is an apostle, says to the elders among you, he's writing, um, he's, he's writing to elders, the elders among you. In other words, there's this group. Specific elders to a specific local church. And then in verse 2 of 1 Peter 5, 2, 5, 2 it says this, uh, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God, talking to the elders, which are among you. So again, uh, there's this formal, I mean, he's not saying this, uh, John, I want you to shepherd the guys and the women and the families at Hillside. Oh, I love some of them. I mean, some of them I know dearly. I mean, I, I know them, you know, uh, quite well. But I'm not called to shepherd them. I'm called to shepherd you. Right? Just like Bill Baker and all the other ones I mentioned. So again, that's what Peter's saying. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, under your care, under your obligation. And then in the second part it says, serving as overseers. Not being lords over those entrusted to you. So, I mean, here's Peter. He's just really throwing it, I mean, throwing it out as far as all these different words. They're among you, you're overseers over them, and they are being entrusted to you. There's a trust. There's a, there's a you know, the way the elders and, and de- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the deacons in because the deacons also help shepherd. And, you know, again, they are not the, the leaders, but they are absolutely critical in this process. But there's a, uh, entrustment. I know this, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to be evaluated by my personal life, I will be evaluated by my family life and as a husband, but I'm also going to be evaluated as, as an elder. And that's a heavy weight. And I, I believe that every elder that's, that I've ever served with feels that weight. So again, I, I think the New Testament sees it. Um, Scripture repeatedly commands Christians to, to submit to their leaders in the local church. Go to Hebrews 13, if you would. Hebrews 13. This is, again, a topical message. We're just kind of all over the place. But Hebrews 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey those who rule over you. Again, obey those who rule over you. That's why it's local. This is local church. Elders don't rule over the church in Andover. It doesn't rule over the church in Wellsville or the church in uh, Arkport. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do this with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now notice, there's an entrustment to the leadership. They're watching out for your souls. But again, in the process, it is profitable for you. So again, uh, we as leaders are going to be judged as to how we how we, um, how we shepherded, how we oversaw. I believe you as members will be judged whether or not you were good, um, whether you did that, obey and submit. Did you make it easy? I think the Lord is going to reward you for making it easier for us to minister to you. Do you see how that plays out? Hey, we call people. I, 
And at times, people won't tell us what's really going on in their life. In fact, we've had, in, I, I, we've had certain situations where the people say, don't call us. In other words, you know what they're saying at that moment? Don't get into my life. Don't, don't help me grow. Don't hold me accountable. They're actually disobeying Hebrews 13, 17 at that moment. And then they wonder why they have such hard lives. God says, hey, it would be profitable for you if you obey and submit, and if you do this and you do it. It's not about lording over. It's nothing about lording over. It, it, it just says, hey, I, I, I want to grow. You know, I, you know what I want to hear? Well done. Don't you, don't you? Aren't you just really excited about seeing Jesus Christ? And all this is behind us. But we've got to get from here to him. And we've got to do it in a way that we can get rewarded. And that's why God says, you're not an island and you can't survive as one. And so we need, we need a community. And I'm even going to give you some uh, leaders and those leaders, and I can say this for a fact of our leaders, are humble servants. They lovingly lead. So, and then finally, let's, because of time, church discipline demands it. In other words, church discipline, what we looked at in Matthew 18, demands that there is a formal, because it says tell it to the church. And if, and if they don't even listen to the church, treat them like a heathen and a tax gatherer. Well, that's not just anyone that comes into the fellowship. That's someone that has committed themselves to the fellowship. You can't remove someone from the fellowship that has never formally committed to the fellowship. So very, very important stuff. Church discipline demands formal membership. And we already looked at that. Or when, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.13, therefore put away from yourself the evil person. What he's saying is take that evil person and get him out of your fellowship. Formally tell him no. Hand him over to Satan. Why? Because he's like leaven. He's going to permeate. He's going to, he's going to destroy. And he's going to bring his sin into the church. Years ago there was a church that did not deal properly with immorality. You know what happened to that church? More sin of that type enter that church. And over a number of years, there was a number of stories of immorality happening in that church. Why? Because sin is like leaven. It just grows, right? It just expands, permeates. So, as we look back, we see five different things. Why is membership important? The Old Testament, Old Testament biblical history demonstrates it. Jesus taught it. The New Testament models it. Church leadership requires it, and church discipline demands it. Oh, no. When you walk away from all that information, you say, okay, I got it. When a person got saved, they didn't just come trouncing into a church. They said, you know what? We are committing ourselves to this local body. Because when it comes to leadership, the leadership needs to know, are you in or out? Let me stop right here. I debated even doing this message because I know at this point, some of you are maybe the, you know, the hair's rising up. Why are you telling us? You are making me feel so guilty. Actually, good. I can actually... No, this is big stuff. I have given my personal life to 30 years of ministering to people. And the people that I've mentioned, I can say elders, I can say deacons, and I can start looking around and say, you know, you know he, gave, he gave 40 some years or more. <laughs> he looks young. Okay. Right? 
This is, this is the biggest stuff that's there. Jesus came, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to go against it. And Satan is going to try to destroy it. The world's going to try to destroy it. Your own flesh is going to try to destroy this. And yet, the church marches on. And if you're going to put your energy somewhere, put it towards what Christ considers important. So this is very, very important stuff. So after debating over and over, should I preach on this? And I'm sure someone's going to get upset or many. And I even had this thought. And I might even see some leave this church. <laughs> okay, It's worth it. It is worth it. Because, it. because by defining what this, how important this is, it helps us as elders and deacons to say, yes, this is... And these are the ones, these are the ones that are, are watching our back as well, and we need to watch theirs, and we're moving together, and so this is very, very important. And I just, out of love for you, say, you know, if you're, if you're like the, in the back of your head, I would challenge that that is pride, not humility. And say, you know what, Lord, I see it in Scripture. I was wrong to not go down that path, but I am going to go down that path now. So, very quickly as we close. Why Christians don't join? Again, there's a lot of reasons. We've mentioned some. Some is out of ignorance. I think we've solved that problem. I don't see scripture membership in the script, or church membership in the Scripture. Well, again, but it's implied all over the place. How about this? Fear of accountability or against accountability. You know, like the t-shirt that read, Question Accountability. I.e., you know, I've had a bad experience in a previous church, John, and I just don't want to commit because I have had a bad experience in a previous church, John. And I understand that. I, you, know, you hear horror stories of how people treat people. Well, if you believe that we are led by the Spirit of God, then I'll tell you what, you'll be, you'll be cared for with love. But don't let a previous bad experience uh, exempt you and, from the privilege of having a good experience. Okay. Other people might say, you know, it's really just about me. It's a commercialism type thought. You know, how are you going to meet my need? And if I join, you may, I might have to give more. Well, then you got the wrong attitude. This is about loving community. Another one is uh, emphasis on personal relationship. You know, it's like the placard that read, Jesus, yes, church, no. And the guy was carrying it around. Jesus, yes, church, no. And what he's saying, you know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't need the church. Actually, if you read the scripture, you desperately need the church. It's community. Or a lack of commitment to anything. I mean, again, our society tells you not to be committed to anything, whether it's a relationship of marriage or children or whatever, job or whatever. Or this is the final one, and then we'll get into the last three applications. Personal differences. I can't find a church that's perfect. You know, like, am I supposed to fall off the chair? You know, I can't find a church that believes exactly like me. Um, you know, you might be evangelical. Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of churches I would tell you not to join. I mean, if they don't have their doctrine right and they believe that, you know, this is not the Word of God, this is just part of, you know, it contains the Word of God. or something. No, no, don't join that type of church. Uh, Jesus is not God. No, don't join that type of church. Yeah, some churches have bad theology. Maybe it's, um, maybe you are wrong on how you believe. 
maybe you're not teachable. Maybe that's why you don't want to see it because to say, no, this is what, this is what, we, you know, this is what the, the church says. And but let, let me give you one thought. Maybe your disagreement and joining a church is a convenient way to not have commitment. I think sometimes people don't join, and they bring up all these problems. This problem, like this, this problem. And it's just a convenient way of saying, you know what? When it's really all said and done, my heart says, I don't want to commit. If you come on board, you're not going to... This is not a perfect church. And you may even disagree. I mean, we've had people that joined this church, and we're pre-millennial, and they were amillennial. And you know what he said? This is what we tell them. Listen, as long as you're willing to be here and teachable, you don't have to even listen. You don't even have to follow premillennialism, But you have to be willing to say, you know what? I want to love and serve and commit myself to this body and remain teachable. And who knows, over time, you know, you may change your theology. No, I won't. But the point is, is, you know, that's the... Yeah, you don't have to believe everything. Dot every T or dot every I and cross every T the way. And there's going to be some disagreements. Now, again, you're not going to disagree on the fact that the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, the only Lord and Savior. But there's other miscellaneous pieces, secondary. So, you know, if you want to come and join... You know, maturity says this, it is not about me getting my way, but about me serving others in a covenant relationship. Or as that one man said, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. I, th I think that was his quote. Finally, so why, why is membership important? Well, obviously the Bible, I believe, is very clear. Let me give you three very quick. Or two. Two with a few other. Witnessing value. Witnessing value. Think about this. A group of selfish, sinful people who are saved by the grace of God are able to get along, work together, and go in the same direction. Isn't that a witness to the world? I mean, even through hard times, they're committed to each other. They stick together. They don't bash each other. They... They don't try to destroy each other. There's a great witnessing value. That the world may believe. You love one another. I mean a biblical love. That has huge, huge witnessing value. I hope you don't, I hope you don't destroy with your words your, the witness of this church. You know, sometimes we hear certain, you know, well, so-and-so went, and now they don't, and bashing, and it's like, really? Do you understand how much damage you're doing to the gospel? How about this? The benefits to you personally. Personal safety. Personal safety. You're connected. That means you have overseers. People who are caring about you. One another. And by the way, it's not just the elders that care about you. The whole church, we're praying, right? I trust you, we're praying for each other. I like how one guy said, the worst thing that can happen to you as a Christian is not persecution. It is not physical injury or death. In fact, in many respects, that could be one of the best things. Why? God's, Christ, uh, Paul said this, when I am weak, then am I strong. But there is one thing that should make us tremble, and that is the prospect of being overtaken by sin. Like in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one 
in a, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So gentleness and humility. The reality is this, though. Some people, if they haven't joined, we don't know. And then all of a sudden, sin overtakes them. What do they do? They kind of back away from the church, but because they never formally committed, we don't know that they're even part, and they must just have found another church. And now sin has overcome, overtaken them, and you know what? There's nobody to rescue. No one to rescue them. See, I believe this. Join a local church because your personal spiritual survival depends on it. I really do. I... It is your spiritual survival depends on it. How about this? Simple obedience. Again, we've looked at Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 13. Purity. You join. You're helping to see this church continue to be pure and you yourself are pure. And again, it gives the ability to the elders to know, to be able to oversee and to do it so that it might be profitable for you. Uh, Hebrews 13. Oh, so many things that we could talk about. See, when you join, you're saying this. I commit to listening to your teaching. Not mine, just ours. Follow your direction, not mine, ours. And to submit to your leadership. That's the elders. That's what you're committing to. I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow. And I'm going to submit. That's simple obedience. And then finally, it helps us to fulfill... Uh, your purpose as a believer. You know, if you, if you boil it all down, I mean, there's a lot of commands in Scripture, but what is the greatest of all commands? That you should love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that what? You should love your neighbor as yourself. But then Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love one another. And I'll tell you what, there's no greater place to see that love flourish than in a local body. Because what's going to happen in a local body? Let me tell you right now. You're going to irritate me. And I'm going to irritate you. I love saying this because this is so true. There's going to be times that you irritate me. And I do to you, and you do to me, and we do to each other. Have you ever irritated me? Have I ever irritated you, buddy? <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> but what does that do at that very moment? Is my commitment to Jesus Christ so great that I'm going to love him as the new commandment, right? With the power of Christ, I'm going to love. And I'm going to stay committed to him, stay connected with him, stay in community with him. I'm not going to give up on Dale because he's the problem. No, I'm not going to say it. But you get the point? Willy-nilly, I mean, I can maybe find another. Again, goes back to the dating deal. Eh, I had a relative one time tell me, I, I'm not going to commit to her because someone better might come along then get out of there right now. That is not the right... No, no. I am committing to her because she, she is the one that God has chosen for me. Right? And I will commit to her for the rest of my life. I'm not looking for a better. I think sometimes when it comes to church, it's almost like church shopping. No, no. Love. That's the purpose. You, they're going to know you with the, because of the love that you have for one another. Boy, doesn't that work out great in a local church? It works out wonderful because now we're in connection and now, you know what we have to do? We have to work out our problems with each other. And therefore, God's going to have to give me grace. And you know, in the whole process, it's not about our problems, it's about Him growing me and Him growing you. And, it, and that is such a wonderful environment. The church is a, a wonderful Petri dish, environment, however you want to say that, of Christian growth, of showing love. 
because of all the interconnections that we're going to have to have and have to deal with in a very loving way. And through the whole process say, I am in committed love community with you. Oh, it's great. It's great. So again, I think I've given you the whole... So if you love the girl, marry her. And if you're interested, uh, we did have some membership, um, membership sheets. Uh, again, if you're interested and you're saying, yeah, even if you're just saying, I'm just not sure, but I'm, I'm going to encourage you to grab it from Ken Shutt. There's a membership and a constitution. You have to fill out the membership uh, you know, forms. And there's only a few, and then there's the Constitution. But again, you're just going down the path. Now, again, just because you grab a form doesn't mean that you're committed to do it. But if you'd like to be committed to doing, I mean, and the Lord has put it on your heart, then again, we're going to bring a number of members, hopefully in uh, on the 14th. And then we're going to have that final, uh, you know, the uh, final annual, or the, the business meeting after that. So, again, prayerfully consider it. If you'd like to have the forms as you walk out, uh, Ken will be out there. And let's stand as we close in worship.